Welcome to episode 28 of Camthropod, the Cambridge Anthropology podcast, hosting episode 3 of Artery, a podcast on art, authorship and anthropology. Welcome to Artery with Isa Kavegia, a podcast on art, authorship and anthropology. In each episode of this collaborative podcast, one anthropologist specializing in a particular cultural context has a conversation with an artist of their choosing, exploring issues of authorship and responsibility in art. In this episode, Hermione Spriggs, an anthropologist at University College London, who is herself an artist, speaks with Tukultur. I will now hand over to Hermione to introduce herself and her guest. Enjoy. and welcome to this conversation between myself, I'm Hermione Spriggs, uh, and the artist Togolda Yondon Jumps. To briefly introduce myself, I'm a, an artist and a researcher. I'm currently based at University College London, where I'm working between the Department of Anthropology and the Slade School of Fine Art, doing practice-based PhD research. Um, but I initially got to know Togolda through a project that I curated and produced together with Rebecca Empson uh, called Five Heads. Five Heads, a Mongolian Kavan Tolgoi is Mongolia's largest coal mine. Um, But in the context of our project, it also refers to five collaborative exchanges between artists and anthropologists who were exchanging ideas and materials to collectively reflect on um, the status of, of being Mongolian in the context of the boom and bust mineral economy there. So yes, Togolda was one of the artists um, who we invited to work on this project in collaboration with anthropologist Rebecca Plukan. And, uh, and Togolda's work I've always found incredibly impressive and inspiring, I think primarily due to the, um, the energy and the sort of off-the-wall off um, obsession that it captures, um, but also for his incredibly light and graceful way of moving between uh, mediums of sculpture and painting, research, drawing, uh, performance and film. Um, and also due to the sense that I get that his work is indelibly linked to his very particular mode of inhabiting and moving through and also actively creating a version of the world that he wants to live in. Uh, I'll leave it to Tugelder himself to introduce you to that world. Um, but briefly, just to note a couple of things he's been involved in recently. Um, he recently had a solo show titled Separated Geography from a Poem at Indiana University in Indianapolis. Um, his work was featured in the Grand Dew Biennial of 2021. And his, uh, his work is also on the cover of a recent edited volume titled Deterritorializing the Future. Hello, Togolda. Hey, <laughs> how are you? Hello. Good, good. Lovely to see you. Where am I talking to you from? Are you in New York? Yes, I am in Harlem currently. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be here um, in general for longer term, I think. Yeah. I just arrived, uh, I arrived in the States in September. 
Ah, uh, yeah. What are you working on? What's going on at the moment? Why are you in New York? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> um, uh, right now I'm in New York. I'm in Harlem, and um, I'm working mostly collecting some pictures. I'm taking pictures from the streets, and then I uh, will uh, work with that information in a way. But um, uh, I actually actually starting a, a new kind of body of work, but the idea was actually came back in 2013 or something as I was back uh, in New York. So, I mean, the idea is very related to in, in this city. And then uh, somehow I uh, want to finish and make a kind of um, suit or costume first. And then, uh, yeah, I'm mm -hmm. like right now collecting or taking a lot of pictures on the streets. <laughs> yeah. That was one of the um, questions that I wanted to ask you was how in your, your work in particular, which is so multifarious in the sense that you work with yeah. drawing um, and sculpture, film performance, you inhabit suits that are textile works in their own right. Um, <laughs> and somehow all of this fits together to create these bodies of work, which is so specifically you and also take you on journeys. Um, and I wanted to ask you to talk a little bit about how ideas form and then travel and take form for you. Like where, where does it all begin? Um, I think uh, the mostly ideas come from if I uh, visit certain sites. I mean, I was born in Ulaanbaatar city and then I also grew up there. Um, but then visiting in a way uh, my, uh, the countryside of Mongolia uh, as a child it was a quite uh, rare things uh, where uh, my parents would me take to uh, relatives and then just uh, having uh, like seeing nomadic lifestyle so it seemed like it, there were like two worlds always it was the city where I go to school and then how I uh, learn history. I went to Russian school, so it was uh, in a way uh, history taught by Russian teachers. So there, there was uh, a specific uh, kind of direction of that education compared to countryside or to people where they have actually the other stories in a way. So there've been always these type of uh, uh, places. So. Because I grew up in the city, um, my interest, I mean, if I would uh, visit places that would be very rare memories or rare uh, kind of like uh, a site activate certain ideas, I would say. Uh, the city, I mean, Ulaanbaatar was um, also very uh, strange in terms of ideas. Uh, because I used to walk to school crossing uh, railroad and uh, early mornings the uh, trains would be like uh, changing its places and then uh, somehow I kind of like having this like like Russian filmmakers type of <laughs> scenery like kind of like crossing railroads uh, like kind of this visual information kind of uh, um, uh, stuck in my head 
And then afternoon, if I would go from school to home, uh, the sunlight will be like, uh, like uh, um, uh, be on the railroad. And then it, it seems like kind of like laser lines or something like very, uh, I don't know if it's futuristic or not, but uh, they've been like very strong visual uh, information, uh, stay from each side in a way. So it uh, so it is the way how I memorize or visit places, and then of course there are all places they 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 have very interesting parts, and then uh, they all leave very strong visual kind of like uh, like memory or like, uh, and I think that is uh, particularly the kind of origin of my work. Uh, so visit places, I would say. In particular, in New York, I uh, um, I know that what I wanted to do, but I didn't really finish what I started in back in many years ago. So right now, I'm 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 in excited mode where I uh, you know doing pictures, photographs, and then so kind of activating my memory from that time and uh, 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 turning into uh, uh, body work, yeah. <laughs> it makes sense that your work is catalyzed by yeah. places. Yeah. Do you, uh, the current project that you're working on, is that uh, collaborative at all? I, um, yeah, I have a very good friend, um, or friends actually, uh, then Bushwick, and uh, they actually came several years ago back to Mongolia and then in the Gobi. So we traveled together. So uh, we won, um, if I would like to, uh, you know, if I uh, would have my suit uh, finished and then I would like to, you know, and somehow uh, talk to them and, um, yeah, activate it in, in some way. Uh, it, if it's gonna be video or, uh, they have actually a very lovely uh, gallery space called International Waters and a very interesting place. So we might, yeah, <laughs> we need to talk. That's an interesting question. That can a gallery also function in that way as a place which triggers something to be released or an idea to flood out? Yeah. Hmm. For the benefit of the people who are um, who are listening, who haven't um, had an interaction with one of your suits before, could you also describe uh, what they are? Perhaps how they're made um, and where they come from. Yeah. So um, they're very may, uh, not many, but uh, I made six of them so far, and. Uh, uh, so, so the first one was actually uh, made as a sleeping bag, and then I used to back in two thousand six, five, six or something. So, of course, you know the Boktang Mountain that is um, near Ulaanbaatar, and then I found a cave, and then I placed someone to sleep in that uh, suit, and then I've been filming with sixteen millimeter film. The cave was kind of uh, was uh, kind of downwards. Uh, it's kind of uh, uh, yeah, kind of experimenting simply. Uh, 
one of the important uh, suits I made in uh, also in New York actually that is um, um, uh, that is uh, um, like a, it it has two type of sites and one side is uh, uh, has a like very gorilla or King Kong type of body and another side it is a Tyrannosaur Rex. So I uh, put these two body pattern together into one suit in a way. Um, that was actually, the idea was triggered at the Natural History Museum in New York, as I uh, saw uh, Tyrannosaur Rex uh, skull um, on display. And um, of course, a large raptor head, but uh, from the back of the skull, uh, you could see some kind of face that it uh, looked quite like a, a monkey face to me. But I mean, in general, it quite looks uh, as a monkey face. So in a way, I was also interested in this idea of uh, like a, a fact from one side, but from another side, it, it is a fictional King Kong's face, a certain... Uh, uh, so it was actually uh, in one object itself. So that's why I uh, been making this suit as a like um, antipode called antipode suit, uh, supposed to having fact and fiction in one, and then a person can enter in it, and um, it's kind of uh, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure about. Uh, I mean, the word shaman is very uh, not, I mean, it's, it comes and goes, but I don't really like to, to use that word. But uh, um, there is, of course, the idea of, the, uh, of a vehicle entering and uh, uh, exiting, uh, if it's soul or body or human or, uh, so this type of idea has been also uh, part of my work. Uh, another suit was uh, made actually, uh, the video actually, I showed it in, in, uh, by Arts Catalyst. Uh, I made a crocodile. Uh, uh, I also found in the library of the Natural History Museum that there were um, Russian and Mongolian paleontologists back in se like 79, 1979, they've been uh, uh, the, doing expedition in Mongolia in Gobi, trying to find uh, dinosaur fossils, but they found, of course, they found fossils. There are many of them. Uh, by analyzing it, it become kind of a, a crocodile type of uh, fossil. So um, I I made that suit um, according to that um, idea. Um, but also, yeah, I filmed in Gobi. Uh, yeah, I went to Gobi actually many times, I would say, in different places. Uh, it seems uh, not necessarily very paleontological place. It seems like, a, in a way, kind of Mars or like other planet type of uh, place. Yeah. Can, can anybody, does it matter who gets into the suit? Yeah. Um, is it generally you or someone that you know, or yeah, who who are the suits available for? Yeah, in general, 
who who is available i mean uh, sometimes it used to be my uh, son sometimes yeah yeah friends or family members uh yeah sometimes i, I mean i work in very small uh, you know kind of team so there are so everybody needs to be a cook, a driver, a cameraman, or, you know, everyone in a way. So that's why uh, it doesn't really, I, I, I never train certain, or actually I never prepare for these things. I have just kind of idea of filming it and then, yeah, work with somebody who is available. <laughs> One of the reasons um, I think I find your work really compelling is as I understand your process, if you're shooting a film like that, of course, you're activating work for the camera yeah. and it's a performance in that way. But I, through our previous conversations, I've, I've always understood that something real is happening as well, that there's, there's an experience that the person yeah. inside the suit is having, which might itself be generative of another layer of yeah. work. Um, and again, like perhaps shame, shamanism, the shamanic isn't the right language to use to refer to this, but shamanism is at once performative and yet very real because it has implications for the people who are experiencing or yeah. channeling. It's, um, yeah, it, it has this life-changing legacy in a way. Um, could you talk a little bit more about, yeah, what, what's happening at the same time as the filming? Uh, or, or maybe just what's happened, what has happened to you in the past whilst you've been inside of one of these things? Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> um, I think the, um, uh, the antipod suit um, with that uh, King Kong involved, <laughs> I uh, took uh, it to Chile and uh, also uh, went with my son who was seven, I think, at that time, yeah. And then uh, that was actually a very memorable journey, I would say. And uh, we did actually a lot of shooting, uh, also a lot of traveling in different places. And uh, um, because it's, it's actually like uh, many years ago now, I mean, six, six years, seven years ago, it seems like, like a... It, it it was a dream in a way. <laughs> uh, that was quite a um, good thing. Uh, as I entered the crocodile suit in Mongolia, it was more winter time, and uh, the idea was actually I was supposed to sleep. Uh, so the most footage has been shot by drone and. Of course, drones have 15 minutes and sleep can, in the coldness, I don't know how it, how fast you can go in sleep or how it's got, long it can take. The crocodile will kind of take care of your body temperature, but also in, in a way, like not long in a way. So it was, uh, again, an experiment where idea was actually a bit far from reality. And uh, it's also very time-based uh, experiment, I would say. Um, Mongolia is quite windy place. So, I mean, the drone can film or not. It's also very depends on nature force in a way. 
but also the idea of like how I uh, can sleep that fast and maybe catch a uh, like little of uh, dream that uh, could be uh, very interesting for my project. And then how how long I can actually lie down on a frozen ground. Uh, so it was, uh, yeah, <laughs> also a fact and fictional kind of idea, but uh, uh, not sure if I succeeded or not. Uh, that was actually quite, uh, I tried to sleep in there multiple times, but I didn't, I couldn't really, I didn't do it. I couldn't do it in a way. Another uh, suit I made uh, is actually not very visible because the work itself uh, was a failure. <laughs> I made a, a very large serpent suit and then um, I also uh, put into the river and then I was imagining that uh, uh, like large serpent that is like nine or eight, nine meter long would uh, naturally move with the stream of the water and then it will look very natural and, it, you know, and then I could film that. Uh, uh, but also put drone on there and then also been trying to film it. But realized that the eight meter piece of uh, fabric uh, soaked into water in the river, it becomes like unimaginable force in a way and then uh, all uh, uh, I couldn't really I was just simply uh, uh, fighting in the river just to pull this thing out and uh, filming was unsuccessful I was just just fighting with that in a way uh, with the monster in a way it became monster through the water and through the stream and I pulled it out uh, but also I learned kind of like, uh, uh, it's actually very interesting, not uh, the result what I really want in terms of uh, filming. It's actually, uh, I always, uh, of course, respect and think about nature force, but I, I, if I feel it, it's actually very interesting, but it is. it was uh, very in a good work to me, but it wasn't really, <laughs> Uh, done as a like visual work itself. I mean, I have some photographs uh, after pulling this thing out of the river. Um, so in a way, uh, these suits are uh, actually, of course, they they of course they they might look good or they might uh, made uh, out of certain idea, but uh, some of them actually. Uh, in the nature, they uh, they able to to become something or someone. I mean, it, uh, um, and I realized that that's why I really like make these suits. Even if a person or artist or performer can activate it, or that suit uh, is able to activate itself in some way. So I'm kind of uh, searching this uh, area. <laughs> if it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's really interesting that you first described that work as a failure I suppose from the perspective of the initial yeah. intention to create a film work but actually it sounds like something happened that wasn't a failure at all How, do you feel um responsible as an artist 
to address certain issues or um sorry my internet's a bit wonky like what do you feel are your key responsibilities as an artist working in the way that you do yeah i uh, i mean i would say like last last seven years i've been mostly or or maybe the last three years i've been mostly working what i'm very interested in and i think i see i see projects or art projects as an opportunity to uh, not to make uh, artwork as an artist, like standing before canvas and like just making art. I, I was always interested in idea if I, uh, if I would have certain information, um, collected visual information or audio information I could follow it or I can kind of like link them together in like right stream and then it will kind of uh, take uh, in a way action itself. And then I can be not, I, I could be not artist making art. I would be more servant uh, serving to art projects. So it can become something very interesting. I was following the idea, that idea actually for very long. That, uh, and I think that is quite, I see it as an opportunity because uh, in very deep in me, I know I can do that. <laughs> or, uh, you know, there, I mean, every place, every lot of things are very interesting, uh, but um, I have to, in a way, kind of um, connect them, activate them in a way. And... Uh, of course, uh, it's not always successful because I try to be uh, innovative or always try to search new things. Uh, that's, uh, yeah, I see our projects as opportunity. Uh, this is, this yeah. is maybe a, a challenging question to answer, but is it possible to define or approximate what it is that you feel like you're working in service of? That, uh, yeah, I mean, the, uh, the artist before Canvas was just an example. Uh, um, uh, I like paintings. I, even I don't paint. I mean, I admire paintings in general. Um, uh, yeah, somehow, I mean, it seemed... Uh, <laughs> it's very... It's, yeah. Of course, I mean... I mean, I think I did that before. If I like uh, an art, as an artist, you uh, do your research, you do your um, kind of like, and then you work on something. Um, but uh, recently I, uh, I uh, just try to, no, there is not really, I'm, I'm uh, like, uh, my work shouldn't be really uh, talking about certain issue or certain theme or, should uh, engage someone or should, I mean, there is not really any of those thoughts. Uh, I uh, simply think about things and then if I, if I find interesting, it can really lead into something, uh, then I do it without any actually uh, interests. And then uh, they do, I mean, uh, sometimes uh, of course uh, it fails, but uh, uh, sometimes they become something and uh, interesting, uh, and, and that's 
that's, I think, uh, my reason, also my purpose. <laughs> Uh, it is actually very interesting uh, to be a kind of uh, a person in mission. Then you just uh, uh, go on street. I mean, it's very far from reality, I guess. But uh, it's you kind of like hunt or like uh, investigate and then follow certain paths. And then uh, sometimes you're very tired, but sometimes you're very happy. And then uh, uh, they uh, able become a monster in a way. <laughs> Without, without, Just to hear you say it's like yeah. it's like hunting. Yeah. I've been spending um, a lot of the last couple of years learning how to track and follow yeah. animals. Yeah. And there's something about that process yeah. which chimes with what you're saying because the moment you think you know what you're doing or you assume that an animal has gone a certain way because it went that way before or someone told you that like this means that and you charge ahead, you lose it. Yeah. You have to always be aware of the fact that each track will deliver its own message. You can't, you, you can't cheat the game. You can't jump ahead. You just have to respond to what it is that is literally in front of you and open up yeah. all of your senses. And then a pattern will emerge. And the pattern is, you know, sometimes it's visible. Sometimes it's an intuition. It's a sense. It's also interesting because it's really different. And I've been thinking about this in my own work and writing, that model of research where you don't set out with a preformed hypothesis or even a notion of what it is you want or know you're going to make. It's so different to the standard model of scientific or social science research. Um, and I know that, well, we got to know each other through the project that I organized called Five Heads where you were collaborating with an anthropologist. And I just wondered, I wondered if you had any reflections on what it was like to engage with a researcher um, whose process was more scientific in that sense or, or occupied a, a different yeah. framework and, yeah, how the collaboration worked um, because your methodologies are, are quite different. Um, yeah, Rebecca, yeah. Um, yeah, I actually, um, time to time, uh, keep uh, meeting anthropologists or different, uh, like, very interesting scientists and of course, I admire they, uh, in a way, uh, the way they work or the methodology in a way. Of course, uh, it's all about, again, collecting data and mostly and then uh, in the winter time when they need to hibernate in a way, <laughs> they, uh, they write their work uh, in a way. So it's like always kind of this two climate type of uh, work, field work, and then hibernating modus work. And uh, I like that actually. And um, in some way actually, uh, uh, no, in general, I like that uh, idea because there are many like layers, they uh, um, field trip, uh, layers of understanding, layers of uh, communicating and establishing like a, dialogue and so on. And uh, I think in my term, uh, because I'm very visual person, I see a lot of visual things. I dream visual <laughs> and also I imagine things in very, mostly in visual way. Uh, that's why I'm visual artist, uh, I guess. <laughs> and um, in some way, uh, society or people life, I 
not very interested actually. Uh, if I uh, I go more to areas where I'm very interested, and then it seems like maybe not really where people uh, gather together. It's uh, um, I'm very interested in kind of like uh, what is left or what is society actually producing in terms of not garbage. Right now, I'm I'm interested in terms of uh, how, um, in a way, uh, the street dots or stains or chewing gum dots, how they uh, start to become stains and then how through the kind of uh, walking of many people, they change the um, shapes and so on. I'm like, I think more interested in kind of trace of uh, human or society, I guess, uh, in this. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> how to say, it's very hard, actually. <laughs> yeah, I just keep uh, following what I'm interested in. Um, uh, if you remember the falcon drawing. Yes, describe the falcon drawing. Yeah, um, that was actually, um, actually, it started as a kind of like uh, yeah, research, how many birds are captured each year and which areas, and then uh, how they um, smuggled or exported to Arabic countries. So I was actually interested in that idea of kind of, uh, uh, kind of the diplomacy uh, um, of countries, how they, uh, Give, uh, give them gifts to each other or how they make possible endangered animal trade and so on. But then I went, uh, I knew one person uh, who actually used to uh, catch, catch uh, falcons and then I visited some places and I realized uh, there was a actual connection between me and that bird or um, and um, Again, the visiting site was very interesting in terms of um, me as a walking person on the ground, I see the landscape differently as the bird. And then, um, so kind of memorize this landscape as a human or imagine as a bird. So there is not, again, this type of uh, shifting yourself into two different um, bodies in a way. Uh, so uh, I was actually very interested in a way this type of connection. Uh, again, there is of course that project has this story, but also it has about that specific species, but also it's about landscape, how the falcons, the flying creatures, are, are exported in uh, flying vehicles to another country. And then they will hunt for someone, but then after certain years, they will be released. Uh, so the question is if they come back to Mongolia or hang out around in Arabia, or uh, that was the idea of uh, a bird scanning uh, landscape in Mongolia, but then later in Arabia. Uh, it's also interesting, like how it, you know, a lot of things, I mean, uh, happen in a way. <clears throat> so I'm uh, very interested in, I would say, um, 
certain ideas that actually human activity in a way produce, but not necessarily in human itself. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'm, uh, uh, yeah. Some, sometimes, my mind right now. <laughs> sometimes it helps to see ourselves or witness what human beings actually are by looking around the edges. Sometimes you yeah. have to aim indirectly in order to, and that's the, um, the truism that um, comes from bow hunting, that the hunter has to aim upwards and sideways yeah. in order to hit the target. Yeah. Wonderful. Hey, thank you so much. It's just perfect timing. So thank okay. you so much for sharing. That was amazing. Okay. <laughs>